precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other found I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Cornelius the Centurion. Their sermon subject for today, <clears throat> taken from Acts chapter 10. It's an interesting passage of Scripture. <clears throat> the special appeal about the story of Cornelius is that it is the record of the conversion of a soldier. The Roman soldier, Cornelius, served under Herod Agrippa. He was a centurion, which means he had a hundred men under his command. Sometimes we're told something like Christians, it's all right for women and children. But here we have a Roman soldier. He's a Christian. And he became, he's a Roman soldier, became a saint. <clears throat> now, this man, Cornelius, he was religious, he was moral, he was God-fearing, and he prayed regularly. But for all of that, he was not a Christian. That's right, correct. There are many people around us today just like that. Good looking, good living, God fearing, but they've never experienced personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They've never accepted the Lord Jesus as their Savior. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. They've not been born again. John chapter 3, verse number 3 says, This is Jesus saying, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There's a number of basic truths that come from this incident, all of which will help us to see how God works in 
the lives of men and women in order to bring them to himself. Number one, the salvation of a sinner is the sovereign work of the triune God. I'd like to soak that in and I say it again. The salvation of a sinner is the sovereign work of the triune God. That's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three persons of the Godhead have a part in your salvation. We're told that Cornelius was seeking the Lord, but we can be for sure that the Lord was first seeking Cornelius. It's always that way. The Lord was seeking you before you ever got saved. Amen. The Lord was seeking you before you ever wanted to get saved. True. I know before I got saved, I was only 10 years old. But God brought me to the place that I wanted to be saved before I actually experienced salvation. To me it's rather interesting that in Acts chapter 8 it's the Holy Spirit who is the is predominant. In Acts chapter 8 and verse number 29, for instance, it says here, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. So we find that the Spirit is predominant at this point. But in chapter 9, Let's flip over to the next page here. And it's the Lord Jesus who is predominant. Look in verses 4, 5, and 6. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished in verse 6 said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. So we find 
that spirit is predominant in salvation. The Lord Jesus is predominant in salvation. But then when you come to Acts chapter 10, it's God the Father who is prominent and who appeared to Cornelius and spoke to him in a vision in verses 3 through 6. Go to this next chapter. And he saw in a vision, this is uh, uh, Acts chapter 10 verse 3, he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming to him and said unto him, Cornelius, and he looked on him and he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for memorial before God. Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. So we find them. And our salvation, it's a sovereign work of God. And the Spirit is involved in our salvation. The Son is involved in our salvation. And the Father is involved in our salvation. The Father planned our salvation from before the foundation of the world. The Son procured our salvation at the cross of Calvary when He died on the cross. The Holy Spirit perfects our salvation in our hearts and in our lives. Notice in John chapter 6 and verse 44. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. You came to the Father. You came because you were effectually drawn by the Spirit of God. John chapter 14, verse number 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the only way. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6, the Bible says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He'll perfect it by the Holy Spirit. So we find that our salvation planned by the Father, 
procured by the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary, and then the Spirit of God has perfected salvation in our lives. We also rejoice in the truth contained in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. We read these words, But we're bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. All three persons of the Godhead had a part in your salvation, bringing you to repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So our salvation is the sovereign work of God. Somebody says, I decided to follow Jesus. <clears throat> yes, you did. But He decided to go after you before you went after Him. Yep. Thank the Lord for that. <clears throat> But I want you to notice, secondly, not only salvation and sovereign work of God, but the Lord has a great variety of ways of reaching and bringing His chosen people to Himself. We're all different, but when the Spirit of God gets ready to save you, he's going to go he's going after you. He may not go after you the same way he went after me. But he has a very great variety of ways he can go after his people. <clears throat> Bringing them to him. I can give you three cases. Acts chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10. All three are different. How God moves mysteriously in His wondrous ways of working with His people. The way God works with you may not be the way He'll work with someone else. Right. And the way that God worked with someone else may not be the way that He'll work with you. First, there's the Queen's treasurer in Acts chapter 8. God went after him. He's reading the Bible. He's reading Isaiah 53. Yep. He's asked the question, Understandest what thou readest? 
And of course, he said, no, I can't accept some man should guide me. But that's the way that the Lord went after him. Then there was Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus. Oh, you talk about religious. He's so religious that if you didn't believe the way he believed, he's ready to see to it you got put to death. And he went out. He went after people and he saw too that there were people who lost their lives because of following the Lord Jesus. Well, well. How'd the Lord... Lord asked him, Why persecutest thou me? Why are you doing this? Well, thank you, sister. Why persecutest thou me? Well, anyway, there's one thing about it. Old Saul of Tarsus came to repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus. Then there was Cornelius. <clears throat> he saw a vision. And in the vision... He sent men to Joppa. It's amazing how that the Lord has reached His people. And every one of us is different. But it's all the same way. It's repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Some men were saved as a result of public preaching. I personally am a result of public preaching. <clears throat> I was... Some say, I, I already heard this before. It's my story. I love telling it. I was sitting a third seat from the front right over there. Gravel Hill Baptist Church, Johnson City, Tennessee. I was sitting beside a woman that I was the mother of a boyfriend of mine. She put her son on the other side of herself and left me sitting beside her and the aisle and the wall. And I heard the gospel and the Spirit of God arrested my heart. And you know what, folks? I can still today, I can still... I have the feelings of the movement of the Spirit of God in my heart as I sat there and God brought me to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I remember that we had well, the congregation was standing. We were singing a song of some sort and the preacher was standing right where I'm standing right now. But I well remember walking down that aisle and walking across over and telling that preacher I was trusting the Lord Jesus as my Savior. And no doubt there were people that thought, well, that kid don't know what he's talking about. And I didn't really. I, they, they were right. I didn't know. The only thing I knew was 
I was trusting the Lord Jesus as my Savior. I knew that I was saved. I remember going home. It was an evening service, and the way I remember it's an evening service. I got home, mom and daddy was already in the bed. And I remember walking into their bedroom. And as I walked into their bedroom, I raised my hands and I told them, I said, Mom, Dad, the most wonderful thing happened to me tonight. I got saved. I was a nine or ten year old boy when that happened. My mom and dad, they'd been to church a number of times. Generally, we went to church went to the College Heights Methodist Church there in Johnson City. That's where Mama went before she and Dad married. Dad didn't go to church anywhere. <clears throat> but anyway, the next Sunday after I got saved, we were in the College Heights Methodist Church. I could go on to tell you about the the Methodist preacher. He and I didn't jive. He wanted to baptize me by sprinkling a little water on my head, I guess. But uh, anyway, in the providence of the Lord, <clears throat> some weeks following all that, my dad came to me one day said, uh, Son, your mom and I want to join this Baptist church, but they will not receive us unless we get rebaptized. I said, I want you to come with us. Ah, that was good news to me. That was good news to me. Well, <clears throat> um, I got off my notes. I don't know where I'm at now. Um, anyway, the Father planned our salvation. The Lord Jesus paid for our salvation. And the Holy Spirit, He still perfects us today. John chapter 6 and verse 44, No man can come to the Father except... Uh, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. Thank God you were drawn by the Lord to trust Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse number 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. He's the only way to get to the Father. You can't get to the Father except through the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 6, 1 and verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Perfected by the Spirit of God. 
Now, we rejoice in the truth contained here in first, second, rather Second Thessalonians 2.13 But we're bound to give thanks all the way to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit. <clears throat> we thank God for His loving kindness and tender mercy that He's shown to us. There's only one way to the Father, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. And God is no respecter of persons. We learn this in John chapter 10, verse 34. As far as God is concerned, no one because of his position or his race or his education or his social standing has a better chance than anyone else of being saved. Thank God that whosoever may be saved. <clears throat> By the way, Cornelius was not a Jew. But he got saved. A good man needs to be saved just as much as a bad man. It's quite evident from Acts chapter 10 verse number 2 that Cornelius was a good man. Oh yeah. But he needed to be saved just as much as the worst soldier under his command. It's hard to get people to see this. God has only one way of salvation. The one condition of salvation is faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's made very clear in Acts chapter 10, verse number 43. Acts 10 and verse number 43 reads, To Him gave all the prophets witness that through His name whosoever believeth on Him shall receive remission of sin. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. And you compare that with Acts chapter 11 and verse number uh, 17. And it says, For as much then as God gave them the like gift, He did unto us who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? I can't. Just trust the Lord Jesus. Salvation, justification, and acceptance before God is through grace. By faith in Jesus Christ plus nothing. Don't need anything else. Amen. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him 
should not perish but have everlasting life. John 5 and verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath. That's present tense possession. Everlasting life. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. <clears throat> Acts chapter 16, for instance, I'll give you another one. In Acts chapter uh, 16 and verse 30 and 31, here it says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Oh, thank God it's that way. Then Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. Got no reason to boast. For by grace are you saved. <clears throat> Through faith in the Lord Jesus. Not of works, lest any man should boast. <clears throat> so salvation is an inward experience. It's described as being <clears throat> born again. John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born Again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. By the operation of the Holy Spirit, in John 3, 8, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whether it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Salvation is an inward experience. It is the impartation of a new life. In 2 Peter 1.4 Whereby are given unto you exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature this new life, this new nature is brought to us in the person and through the agency of the Holy Spirit. At the time of our conversion, we're not only born again by the direct operation of the Holy Spirit, but at the same time, we're baptized by the Holy Spirit. We're indwelt 
by the Holy Spirit. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. We are assured by the Holy Spirit. And we're made faithful by the Holy Spirit. Well, thank God for the Holy Spirit in your life today. And then I want you to notice, lastly, that baptism is the command of the gospel. Peter did not leave this as an optional matter. There were clear on what to do here in uh, verses 47 and 48. Uh, Acts chapter 10, I believe where I'm at. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord then prayed they him to tarry certain days These people had now to be baptized according to Acts chapter 10 verse 44 while Peter yet spake these words the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word and they believed and they received the Holy Spirit now they're required to be baptized as an open confession of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 10.47 Can any man forbid water that these should be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? After a person has been saved, the first act of obedience is baptism. I heard my father-in-law, Brother T.B. Freeman, give an illustration He's preaching at a revival meeting in North Carolina. The church, and there was a man who made a profession of faith. That church then had Brother Freeman to come back the next year and preach in another revival meeting. And in the second time he was there, that same man came before the church again and he was confused about many things and they couldn't seem to do anything with him. 
they asked Brother Freeman to speak with him. And so Brother Freeman said that he sat down with him and said, let's start at the beginning. And said, you said that it was last year when I was here that you got saved. He said, yes, sir. Last year when you were here, I got saved. He said, and then you were baptized. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. I, I've, never, I've never been baptized. Brother Freeman told me about it and said, well, I told him, son, I think we found what the problem is. He said, you missed the first stone coming out of the boat. Yeah. <clears throat> you missed the first step. If after you've been bad, after you've been saved, if you've not been yet baptized, you missed the first step. That's the first thing. You can't join a church. You can't take uh, and be a partaker of the Lord's Supper. You can't really do anything if you haven't been baptized. You got to be baptized for anything. Let's say, for instance, today, and this could happen most any time. By the way, I've got six minutes. <laughs> Let's say, for instance, we give an invitation. Down now comes somebody. And say, they come down now. You never know what's coming many times. You have no idea what's coming. I've had people to come. I want to join the church. My first question is, are you been a no, I've not been saved? Well, you're not ready to join the church. We got to talk, we got to talk about leading them, bringing them to a place to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. You got to get saved first. You got to get things in order. You get saved, and then you get baptized. And uh and you become a member of the church, but not until that. You can't take the Lord's Supper and nothing else. And you can't vote in the church. Not until after you've been saved and baptized and you're made a member of the church, then you can do all that. Thank God that generally happens in people's lives and they don't really realize what has happened in their lives. But God in His divine providence just leads us along and brings us, or brings us along, teaches us as we go along. And we don't wind up getting embarrassed and so on like that because of we've done something wrong. Let's all stand, if you would, please, and we'll be dismissed. Brother Ray Roberts, would you dismiss us, please? Our most gracious and heavenly Father, thank you so much <coughs> for this day. Thank you so much for Danny and for Pastor and all they teach. And thank you for, for your word from which they teach. And of course, thank you for the word. Thank you for all of those <coughs> who come to your house and, and there is no effort involved. They just come when it is time. Thank you for the many things that we have learned. Thank you for the men that teach the many things from your word. Thank you for your 
truth. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the good pleasure of your will. Thank you for saving us from the beginning of time. Thank you for the many blessings that you've bestowed upon us. I would pray for those who could not be here today. You know who they are and you know what their needs are. I would pray that though we can be back here at the next appointed time, give the traveling mercies to those who go a great distance to be back home and then to come here again in your house. Thank you for your many wonderful blessings once again, but thank you so, so much for the Lord Jesus who died on the cross so we could spend an eternity with you and him in heaven and in whose precious holy name we always do pray. Amen.